Hello humans of triathlon and welcome to the hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversations with triathletes from all around the globe and from all walks of life I'm Swapnil Chauhan here with my co-host Charles Hunk and Radmom Robin along with an amazing guest Today's hot podcast has two pretty much amazing guests in store for you. Um, when you hear the Iron Man motto of anything is possible, it's easy to think of those words as maybe just another inspirational jingle or marketing campaign. But these two brothers take those words and they breathe life into them. Their dedication to each other started in childhood with a love of sports and a desire to play them together with their other brother even when that meant figuring out ways to make those sports accessible to all of them. You see, one of them had been born with cerebral palsy with spastic quadriplegia, which limits his ability to use his arms and legs, and meant he played these sports from a motorized wheelchair. This did not stop them from doing everything together then, and it certainly does not stop them now. From marathons and triathlons up to and including several Ironman races, they have used their passion for the sport of triathlon to create the Kyle Pease Foundation, which raises awareness and promotes inclusion and success for persons with disabilities. They now tow the starting line of their hometown half marathon with 40 other wheelchair teams, a number that started out as just them and has been growing every year. This year, in an incredible moment that you simply must watch on video, and I totally, I double dog dare you not to get choked up when you watch this, they learned that they were awarded the Ironman Ambassador Athletes slots and will be racing in Kona at the Ironman World Championships. Together, they are an unstoppable team. So please welcome to the hot podcast, Kyle and Brent Pease. Hey, guys. Hey welcome. Guys. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Hi. Just to kind of kick things off, we usually ask people to sort of take, take us back to your childhood and where you started in sports and kind of where, um, where this passion was born. Um, well, I, I guess I would, I would classify Kyle and I both as bench warmers growing up. <laughs> I was not an exceptional uh, athlete. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't the last last one picked or anything. But I wasn't. I wasn't uh, excelling at anything. I was a decent swimmer, and Kyle was uh, navigating wheelchair sports or just learning how to find outlets, athletic outlets, um, to create um, opportunities for himself. So you know, but we were always trying to figure out if there was what opportunities there were um, for us to compete um, or how we could compete together. And it really, I think we, we, we changed the rules to a lot of things. We did a lot of different things and we certainly played sports together and as a family. And, um, you know, it probably took 25 years for us to realize that there was this whole endurance world that was available that didn't place exclusions on Kyle or place limits on him because of his disability. So, um, could you speak a little bit about how your parents sort of fostered this inclusion or, or, or how they made sure you guys just knew that, that these barriers were to be not there or to be overcome? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, our mom and dad really, um, really, um, included us in everything that we did, um, in our early years, 
my mom started in the local league at a local park near our house. Um, so it was really ingrained in us from a very early age, the love of sports. Um, so the local league was a baseball league, and there were uh, volunteers that would help uh, me hit and all of my other uh, teammates hit and whatever we needed to do. So our parents were very much go-getters and um, established our, our athletic talents. I wouldn't call them talents in those years, but uh, <laughs> it certainly was it certainly was something that we now that we realize what we're doing and what we're doing with the Kyle Peace Foundation that we realize was instilled in us at a very early age. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stone Mountain is a big attraction here in Georgia. And I remember my dad carrying Kyle, you know, on his back all the way to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that wasn't anything that felt out of ordinary to us. It was just if we were going to go climb a mountain, we were going to do it as a family. And Kyle wasn't going to mm-hmm. sit at home with a babysitter while everybody else went out and did stuff. And so when Kyle, who loved uh, baseball, was wanting to play like his brothers, uh, my mom and a friend helped create that opportunity for Kyle and, and many others like him to, to play and to experience the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you guys inherited the go-getter gene. <laughs> so what, what led you to triathlon? Well, I was, uh, I was uh, out of shape and partying pretty hard post-college and uh, maybe having a little too much fun and was just looking for a way to um, get myself back into good health. So I started just actually training for the Peachy Road Race, the actually the world's biggest 10K, but just to, to do something. I actually remember being so sore after that 10K and thinking this is awesome and, and really being hooked on it. And so, you know, having grown up a swimmer, I, w- I went out and got a bike and signed up for a triathlon because that seemed like it would be a good challenge. And I was bored with running every day. And because obviously the story is much more about us, that was really a three-year process for me of doing a sprint and an Olympic and experiencing the sport and doing some you know great local triathlons and building my way up to an Ironman in 2010. And just that process that summer, uh, which was back in 2010, of of training for that race, you know, I think I went all in on it. You know, same way I did the party in before or with uh, anything else. The I think the go-getter attitude worked in anything I've done in life. So for me, it was a three-year process of just getting in shape. And when I when I was getting ready to, to compete in the first Ironman, I, I wanted to invite the whole family. I wanted them to see why I had been um, busy all summer. And it was after your first Ironman that Kyle, he, after that, he wanted to get involved himself, right? So Kyle, what was it after that first Ironman that you thought that you, you wanted? to be a part of this. Um, so we invited the whole family to come. Um, I really didn't know what to expect of really what an Ironman truly was. Um, but when I got to uh, Louisville and I saw what Brett and all the other athletes were doing, I, it really resonated with me because it was what I go through on a day-to-day basis living with cerebral palsy. So I, I would get enthralled by it, and uh, after the 12-hour day um, that it took, where we sat down to dinner, and I wanted, I wanted to find out more about his day and what he um, experienced, and 
Um, so I just started asking him all these questions. And my last question was, what can people in wheelchair do um, Iron Man? And I, how can you say no to your little brother? <laughs> Very good question. Um, Brett, what was your initial reaction to that? Like, well, like Kyle said, how the heck can how can you even say no? So I just said yes, and uh, we didn't have the slightest clue how we were going to do any of this. But that was really what kind of set this thing in motion for us, and um, you know, really got us hooked. Our hooked got Kyle hooked the same way that I had spent three years kind of getting myself into endurance sports. How do you start a process? I mean, it's like now you've done it. You've done your Ironman by yourself. Your little brother is asking you, bring me on board. How do you put the, the, the puzzle together? Well, we started reaching out to try and figure out, you know, how to even do it. And the only people we knew of were, were the Hoyts. So, we, you know, we reached out to them. And I remember seeing an interview where they said they responded to every single email they ever got. And true to that, they responded to us. And... Um, sent us a long email with a bunch of options. And then we just were very fortunate. I mean, a lot of it was just by luck. Um, one of Kyle's professors in college told us that the boat the Hoyts used, he has no idea how they ever did it. So a testament to that man and his athletic prowess. But we, um, we went to REI uh, and uh, an outdoor store and, and found an inflatable kayak made by Advanced Elements, which now if you look around at other teams like us, They're all uh, using a very similar boat. It's lighter. It's more aerodynamic. Um, we found a company out of Winnipeg, Canada, which is a pretty cool story. There's a, um, they make adaptive bikes for disabled persons, and uh, they have an engineer in each sector of the country. So the Southeastern engineer just so happened to be in Atlanta. So we met him, and um, then Eagle Race Chairs uh, is in Snellville, Georgia, which is not too far from us. It's actually out by Stone Mountain that we were mentioning earlier. So um, it was a pretty cool um, way that a lot of that stuff came together somewhat easily. Um, and then we started training together. And, you know, one of the things that we always wanted was that, you know, we wanted Kyle to be able to experience the sport the way it was intended. So it wasn't just, you know, me go out and train and then Kyle show up on race day and just wave to everybody. It was, let's figure out what's going to happen. And it turns out that it's, it's pretty physically demanding on him too. Um, and it's not an easy task or ask of him to compete in these endurance events. So it was good. And the training's more fun anyways. There's no pressure. There's no um, intensity. It's an opportunity for us to just hang out and get ourselves better and, and enjoy that part of the process. So what were some of the big, um, you know, kind of challenges you faced early on? Like what sorts of things? Well, I mean, every athlete has things that go wrong or, or are stumbling blocks for them. What, what kinds of things did you guys run into as you sort of work with your equipment and nutrition and stuff? Yeah, I, you know, I think it was figuring all that out, you know, um, especially when you, uh, when I sit in my wheelchair for 16 hours to 18 hours a day, and uh, wheelchair is configured to my body and everything, yeah, obviously we can't tailor some of the equipment, but we, you know, we, did our best to modify and make sure that I was comfortable, especially on the bike, because uh, the bike is our greatest equalizer. Um, so just making sure that I was completely comfortable and um, hydrating throughout the entire process and uh, making sure that uh, my nutrition 
was good as well as breast, uh, nutrition and hydration and whatever, uh, whatever breast needed to help us get down the road. Yeah, I mean, I think the early challenges were just learning. I mean, it's funny now looking back because some of the things we didn't even view as a challenge, but that original bike we had weighed almost 85 pounds mm. and had eight gears and the front wheel looked like it belonged on a kid's bike. But to us, that was the best bike available. And, and if you look at old pictures and, and new pictures or current pictures, Kyle's always on the front of the bike. And that was always, always our goal. Um, because we wanted him to experience it just like a cyclist would. We wanted the wind in his face. We wanted his body to go through the paces like a cyclist. And brotherly love or not, nobody wants to look at my rear for 10 hours. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I think some of the early challenges were just teaching Kyle about the sport and, and teaching him that, hey, you need to learn this stuff because it's, this isn't just everybody participates and everybody has fun. This is, you know, for this is going to be the first real sport for you and and with apologies to our mom and everybody that had made these adaptive sports available to Kyle it was for us what we had been looking for that it was a totally inclusive environment i mean go to an ironman and watch the pc athletes watch the you know the everyman triathlon triathlete that finishes between 11 and midnight i mean these are the people that are pouring their heart and soul into this stuff and that's what Kyle does and and so it's hard to think about what were the challenges because everything just felt so great and so new and so exciting um, that we were able to share this together. And we just couldn't wait for more. I mean, I, I, those early years, I think we raced at least once a month, if not more. So I, I did um, hear an interview with you guys where you talked about your experience in the marathon where like you had some real mechanical difficulties with the chair. How did you kind of work through those and and how do you decide on like new equipment or um, do you get a chance to try it out? I mean, living there in Georgia, sounds like you've got some local uh, companies that that make it easier to actually see this stuff before you buy it. But yeah, I mean, we, you know, we um, we get chairs from three different companies now. The race chairs, we we still prefer to use the bikes that we get out of Winnipeg. We do have one style chair that we get that has a tow bar attachment, so you can use your tri bike with it. For example, we use those as a this is the best option for us to be able to compete and complete these races. Um, you know, and just, I mean, the New York race that you're referencing where we had some issues, I mean, that was the oldest chair we owned. It was the first chair we ever bought, uh, the first race chair we ever bought. You know, it was the first time we ever flew with a chair. Um, you know, the streets in New York are not exactly uh, the Queen K, so there's potholes and holes and they started us in the back of the A wave, which was 20,000 people deep. And we were faster than half the people in that wave. Now, I, you know, I certainly understand what the race organizers were trying to do from a safety perspective, but Kyle and I had nowhere to go. So we were hitting potholes left and right. So who knows? We were actually just telling the story to somebody earlier. And, you know, when we finally stopped to figure out what was making the wheel wobble so bad, we looked and there was three broken spokes. And you guys, as you all as triathletes <laughs> yeah. know. One spoke is bad. Three is catastrophic. Three is non-functional. Yeah. I mean, the next step we took, the wheel the wheel just disintegrated under the weight of Kyle. Um, the fact that we made it 13 miles without something happening is actually pretty incredible. And maybe one of the reasons we actually finished the race, that, you know, the wheel, that the chair was so well built that it held up so well for for half of our day. And shoot, I mean, we were, you know, an hour 38, an hour 35. I mean, we were on a, you know, pretty unbelievable pace for our first open marathon. 
And, uh, you know, I just remember Kyle kind of giving me a, a look without even saying anything. And it was like, all right, we're going to try and finish this damn thing. We're, we're not stopping. I, I, I also think, uh, to get piggyback off of what Brett did, I think, uh, it's critical, you know, after every race that you, you, you take your equipment and making sure that, you know, everything is properly ready for the next lecture that you take. So, um, there's always going to be wear and tear on our equipment. So we'll always, um, go back to those, uh, companies that Brett references, that Brett references, um, to make sure that we get the necessary adjustments to be ready for the next race. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, I think it's actually appropriate that you guys have us on audio. And if you, you know, for the listeners and for you guys, if you just close your eyes and just listen to the answer that Kyle just gave or the comment he just made, you'd sit there and go, well, that's a pretty finely tuned athlete right there who's thinking about all the things that are uh, important to the success of their day. And if you saw uh, the documents that are circulating and the emails that are circulating about Kona, uh, it, it, you know, it's incredible. This is a young man who's now spent seven years in the sport and uh, is every bit the athlete that I am. And, and I would and I would tell most people he's a better athlete than I am. Well, in terms of maintenance, he's a better athlete than I am because I could sure do better uh, about well, inspecting my equipment after every race. <laughs> unfortunately, triathletes carry a bad uh, stereotype there. But Kyle, is, Kyle doesn't fall yeah. into that. He makes everything right. Yeah, one thing that we don't usually talk about in our show is about training routines, but um, I, and I'm sure our listeners as well, they would be interested to know, like, what is a typical training week like for you? Um, has anything, have you had to adapt anything once, you know, after, like, before you were doing your loan now with all the equipment and such? Has there been anything different? And how often does Kyle join you on the training session? So I usually, you know, in a big build, I usually do about 20 to 25 hours a week. You know, right now, I think for Kona, the biggest difference is that because of the conditions that Kona throws at you with the wind and the heat, you know, it's it's paramount that we make sure we're strong enough to make it through that bike cutoff. You know, me plus Kyle plus bike um, is about 380 pounds, 370 pounds. And we're working on getting that number down the bike itself. But, you know, we, we've got to be able to do that. So I'm spending 12 to 15 hours a week on the bike. Um, so you can do the math even on a, on a big week of say 25 hours, almost 50% of that time is dedicated to bike volume. When we hit that 12 week window from the race, then Kyle really gets involved in the training. So it, you know, once, if not twice a week, and right now with Kona, even three times a week, um, we're getting out and doing a run or a bike session. We'll actually do a race in a couple of weeks so he can get a swim session in. Um, I think Kyle would tell you the swim. The swim is one of the easier uh, portions for Kyle. It's just the most comfortable setting for him. The bike is the hardest, so we'll spend the most time with him on the bike. And I remember a session we did before our first Ironman back in 2013. Um, and we'll do something similar this year. But I went out early in the morning and did a three-hour bike. And then Kyle came and met me with food, and we ate. And then we did another three-hour bike session with Kyle. And then he left, and I did another three hours. You know, wow. So I spent, I spent a nine-hour day putting in volume. Um, one of our favorite sessions to do is uh, bike run, bike run, bike run. And it's great because it really stresses Kyle physically and mentally to have to go from the hardest equipment bike to one of the harder pieces of equipment run and just back and forth like that really wears him out um, so that on race day, 
he's as physically ready as every other athlete on the island. Do the um, the heat and the winds? Well, you guys do live in Georgia, so you got a little bit of maybe some training advantage there. But are you guys doing anything specific um, to prepare for those conditions? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think you can be as prepared as you can be um, for the element, and uh, we are certainly aware of, of what Kona uh, may present. But then again, when we um, we never know what to expect our race day, so we are we are you know mentally preparing for um, the elements, but we don't know what to expect our race day either. Yeah, and you know it's it's I you know I think you know Colin and I are certainly believers that things happen for a reason, and you know we've we've been trying for several years unsuccessfully to get into Ironman Hawaii. Um, and in that time, we've, we've had the opportunity to, to compete and finish three Ironmans and each one of them has presented different challenges. Wisconsin threw hills at us. Um, we did Ironman Florida in 2014 and it was 39 degrees with wind gusts up to 40 miles per hour. And we got to experience what that wind does. And most importantly, we saw what the wind does to Kyle. We saw the way the wind affected us. Actually, our slowest bike split was in, was in Florida. So that's what we're doing with the bike right now. We're engineering changes to make it more aerodynamic. But um, that was one of the hardest days we had. And then we did Boulder last year and had hills and altitude. Um, we did Eagle Man. So we've, you know, so we had the heat when we did that. I mean, we, so we've, we've had a, we've got a big toolbox of races that we can draw on that experience. And hopefully that'll make us a little bit more prepared. But um, once the gun goes off, it doesn't really matter how prepared they are. We've got... Um, We've got a lot of work to do. So has Kona been the goal right from the start? Yeah, absolutely. That's been uh, our goal from day one. And uh, I think I think our mom put it best that when she said you got to start small and then build your way up to the granddaddy of them all. And I, I think uh, that's a testament to me and Brett love for one another as brothers and a teammate. Um, so this has what we always uh, put our put our focus on, and it work as excited to be out there with all the other athletes. Yeah, I love how you guys jump big, and like, there's no straightforward path to Kona for athletes like yourself, right? And if I'm not wrong, there's only been one other duo that's done it. So to set that goal and to get it, that's that's amazing. I mean, I saw that finish line video which Robin mentioned start and it just gave me the chills so uh, big congrats to both of you for that no thank you i appreciate that you know the best the best part for me is that i hadn't seen that video when they released it or when they put it out on usa today i hadn't seen the actual finish line and it, it certainly for me brought back all those emotions but that was you know we did our first triathlon in 2011 and then in 2012 was when we really started asking and thinking about Kona. So that, that race was the culmination of six years of hard work. Were you expecting and, uh, to get the slot? No, no. shoot. We, thought we, we were prepared for a summer of fun, man. We were, Kyle and I had baseball tickets for when we returned. We were like, we're going to have beers and ice cream and we're not going to worry about a thing. And, um, shoot. I mean, we had a flat tire at 54, mm -hmm. uh, with two miles to go. And I said some stuff I don't think I can say on your podcast, but, uh, <laughs> You know, we we could have easily called it at that point. You know, we went with a small crew. We usually travel with a pretty big crew. Just it takes a lot to pull off these races. We had our dad 
and a friend that drove the equipment and that was it. And it was just a, it was a skeleton crew. We were just kind of planning to do a race to keep um, working towards Kona, but we felt like at this point it was too late in the year for it to happen. Uh, I, I, I would add to that. Of course, you know, if somebody gave us a try at Kona in 2012, we would have said yes, but I don't think we were as, as prepared as we are now. Not saying that we're gonna, we are gonna give the utmost respect to the course and, and everything, but, but be prepared back then and be prepared now are two totally different things. And I, um, I really appreciate the effort and uh, the patience and the perseverance that we have put forth over the past seven years. Yeah, that's a fantastic lesson. I mean, it's it's such a difficult road to get there. And yet, like you guys said, you've, you've used all these experience. Now you've got this playbook you can kind of pluck from when you run into a hard spot. It just seems like you, you guys have set yourself up to have an amazing day. Yeah, we just need to, you know, we need everybody to offer up a few positive thoughts and prayers, whatever you uh, prefer towards the island gods to make sure they're gentle and kind. What do you hope to get out of the Kona experience? Uh, we're both looking at each other, see who gets to take this one first. Um, <laughs> I, you know, for me, I, I think that Kona is a lifetime of, of hard work, you know, starting with our parents and, and with us and, you know, what we've um, put forth into this day. And so I hope that the finish line is not the end of this journey, but the beginning of the next one. And, and to show everybody that um, none of this is ever easy, but it's always worth the effort. And um, I, I hope that all the years of hard work, not just since we've started racing, but everything we've done our entire lives will, you know, come together in perfect harmony at that finish line. Uh, I think Kona represents this point. I, I really think that it builds up every, everyone that I have met was to do Kona. Um, so Kona is the uh, my key event for the sport, and, uh, and so I just want to show everybody that anything is possible. And like Brett said, I just want this to be the beginning of our journey for opportunities, um, for inclusion, for the Coyote Foundation, and uh, I guess again, just showing everybody that not only me and Brett, but all the other athletes that will be out there on the course that day, that anything is truly, truly possible. So you mentioned the Kyle Pease Foundation. I mean, that's you've got an amazing foundation and you're doing some great work with it. So talk to us about that. What led to its inception and what is it all about? So the Kyle Pease Foundation um, was started because I wanted to give people an opportunity of athletics that my parents and that my brothers gave to me. And I'm always looking for ways to get back and to show people um, our gift and the Coyotes Foundation making statement is to improve the lives of disabled individuals through, through sports, in particular endurance sports. So 
Um, that's how it all got started, and we just want to give people a sense of hope and a sense of purpose through um, through their athletic endeavors when they come through the Kyle Beats Foundation. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so after we finished our first race uh, in 2011, which was the St. Anthony's Triathlon, which is a great race for the first-timers in, in the States, uh, Kyle almost immediately said, I want other people to experience it. And that was a really cool finish line. Um, I don't know how big it is. We, we still want to go back at some point. But the year we did it, there was about 4,000 people in the race, so bigger than most of your Ironman events. And the finishing shoot was a blue carpet. And I would say it probably ran at least 200, if not 300 yards. And so, you know, we hit that carpet and Kyle started screaming. And, you know, it was like a just so loud um, of his experience um, of his first real endurance test um, finishing on that line. And, and like I said, almost immediately, he said other people have got to experience it. Um, and I remember the first person we met with who had helped Scott, uh, Scott Rigsby, uh, in his early race years and who had worked in the paratriathlon community for several years, Kyle and I went and had dinner with him and he said, well, congratulations, you now own a business. And I don't think either of us knew what we were getting into that we were, you know, effectively starting a business to serve others. And, um, it took us, it, it was hard. I mean, that, that was as hard as any Ironman. It took us nine months to meet our first athlete and to serve our first athlete. Um, and those were some of the hardest you know, months of work, we were both working nine to five. And so, you know, we had to come home and work on our business and, and try to find people. We thought everybody, you know, all these people that we had competed with, uh, in wheelchair sports growing up and everything that they had done, that they just want to jump in with both feet, but it was hard to find people and tell them about this endurance thing. And so I remember Kyle and I said in 2012, well, we're just going to race every month. And hopefully we'll see somebody at a race. And at the second race we did, we met a mother whose son had been, uh, who had had a traumatic brain injury. And that became the first athlete we ever served. Um, and we have a golf tournament named after him and we have a chair named after him. You know, we, we speak very highly of that family for giving us the opportunity because we didn't know what we were doing. Um, we had a couple of chairs and, and a few thousand bucks and we had an idea and that was it. And today, as you guys mentioned, we actually, in this past March, we actually had 58 wheelchairs compete alongside us um, at the Georgia Public's Half Marathon. And we have a young man doing his second Ironman at Wisconsin this September. I mean, it is, it's beyond what either of us ever thought it could be. And it's pretty cool to be able to sit back and see that, which is as big, if not bigger than anything we've ever done. Oh, that is really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think the numbers, I think the numbers speak by themselves. You know, you see like you have uh, at least the ones that you see, you know, it's about like 100 athletes and a $1.5 million race. I think that is very impressive, no? And, um, and I, th I think that line, I think I wanted to understand a little bit. So how, how does it look like for you guys, like the day-to-day -day working for the foundation? So what, 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 what are the sort of the main activities that you actually do uh, how long does it take to find an athlete? How do you raise funds? I don't know, something like that to give yeah. us an idea. So we, um, I uh, took over as exec executive director in 2014. So Kyle still has to work nights and weekends to help serve the foundation. You know, Kyle actually serves as committee chair on most of our big races so that he can share that wisdom and that vision with everybody. But, you know, it's um, our, our 
main funding for events comes through a crowdfunding. Uh, so CrowdRise, or we use a different mentality, but we, you know, we bring in volunteers that are raising money on behalf of the foundation for the athletes they're pushing. So it's a pretty cool experience for them that they're going to raise, you know, $500, $5,000 for one of our events. And that helps fund a lot of the other races. Um, we pay for everything regardless of need. Um, so for all the athletes, we want to, we want that playing field to be level because the race itself can be competitive. You know, finding the athletes is for, for largely has been organic for us. So it's really just a word of mouth process, but you know, we'll go to races, we'll go to expos, we'll go to events. We're going to a rehab event through a children's hospital in September. That, uh, is a great way to meet people that have been recently disabled or, um, have been in and out of the children's hospital because of their disability. It's a great way to expose them to this um, opportunity. So, you know, and it's interesting too, uh, last year we served 63 individuals, 31 of them were first time athletes. So we're seeing, you know, we see turnover just like a race organizer might that we see people that come out and they do a few races and it's not for them. Uh, and that's okay. We, we'd like to think it is, but that's, you know, part of it. I, you know, I would say it just depends on the time of year right now. I'm spending more time fundraising. And come October, we have Kona and we have Marine Corps Marathon, and I'll be doing event planning. Um, and Kyle will be joining me for that process. So it's you know it just depends on the time of year. It's just the season. And when race season's over for us around November Thanksgiving, we start planning our next year's races and events, and going to our athletes and getting their feedback, just like a, a race director may, um, and figuring out what they want to do. What's their challenge? Mm. We had a kid do a, a tough mutter last year, you know, so it's, it's just interesting what we're learning. Kyle and I have gravitated towards the endurance, the ultra endurance events, if you will, the Ironman, uh, the marathons, the kind of the longer stuff. It's a more of a challenge to Kyle. Um, but we have athletes that focus on, you know, running the Peachtree Road Race, just running a 10K or um, they come to just the big ones. Some of the big races, we have hotels and team dinners and, you know, everybody wants to come get a free hotel room, which is great. You know, that's part of the experience. I mean, Kyle never did team sports in high school where he got to do that because somebody was going to have to take care of him. And, you know, that's one of those things that we did because we needed to make it easier on the families that had to be there at 4 a.m. But now we realize it's actually one of the benefits that you get to experience the race in, you know, the same way that it's exciting for us to travel to Kona or to New York or to any of these races, the same as it is for each of you to share that experience at a race. It's the same thing for us. Um, and it's the same thing for the people that we're serving. So how, if, if, uh, our listeners want to get involved or, um, sign up to raise money or something, can you let us know what that process is? Absolutely. They can uh, visit our website, uh, wickedkylepeacefoundation.org. And on that website, it's a very simple application at the bottom of the website that will get put you in our database. Um, you can volunteer for race. Um, you can run for, for any race that's your cup of tea. Or we can always use, um, heads on deck to help out with, uh, probably because the tires giving athletes water. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a ton of stuff. And right now we're, um, we're just in a few communities. So we're in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're here in Georgia. Um, we have nice. some partners and friends down in Florida. Um, so for those of your listeners that aren't, um, 
stateside or aren't right here in our backyard, we'd love to get engaged and we'd love to learn more about your community. We have some people in Portland that are trying to figure out if they can um, help inspire their community to do the same thing. Um, We've always wanted it to be organic so that Kyle's mission and Kyle's vision can be carried wherever it may be. But we do have races. I mean, Marine Corps is a travel race. And so we, um, we do a travel grant for everybody that's raising money for us. And so there may be somebody listening that says, you know, I've always wanted to do the Marine Corps Marathon. That's perfect. We'd love to get you out there. Um, you know, personally, not even because it's my brother, but just getting behind that wheelchair. And, and you know, I, I talk about the, the click of the brake and the, you know, feeling the metal in your hands as soon as you grab a hold of that chair. It's a pretty powerful experience. Um, and even made more so when you look down at the person and you see you see how hard they're competing and how much joy they're getting out of it. And it, and it takes you back to that first 10 K that you trained mm-hmm. so hard for, or that first Ironman that you spent months training for and you asked your whole family to come. And so we'd love to have people involved. Mm-hmm. And so I think Kyle's, Kyle said it, the website is the best place to help engage us. We've got a simple application there. Um, there's um, ways to donate and support campaigns that are ongoing. And then we can even help set up for those that want to um, help raise more awareness to, to help this thing grow. And I think another key point is uh, the volunteer perspective, uh, what they get out of it too. I can't really speak for the volunteers, but from what I have heard from different volunteers that run with us, they they get so much more out of it raising with another individual um, that it gives them a sense of pride and a sense of belongingness. And another thing is you gain a whole new family too in the endurance sports community. Me and Brett um, have gained over 100 families um, into the Kyle P Foundation family. So it gets amazing to to take a step back and see what these volunteers get out of the race to, to really see what the athletes get out of it as well. That's mm. awesome. Yeah, I think now, I think in, I mean, in this year, for example, obviously you have achieved a lot with the foundation. And, uh, and right now you have uh, about eight or nine weeks to Kona. Just obviously that's your sort of objective. But uh, but I wonder, you know, like uh, you know, like for example, in in cartoons, you know, whenever you, you see the, the the bad guys, they usually they rub their hands with a cheeky smile, saying, "I have the plans to conquer the world." So I wonder after Kona finishes, you guys done. What's is there any sort of evil plans that you have beyond Kona <laughs> for both the foundation and for your for yourselves? Well, I, I certainly, we certainly hope that Kona is the platform to help elevate the the work that we do beyond the finish line. I think that's such a good way for us to look at it. Uh, we certainly hope that it helps people see what truly is possible. And I, you know, one I, one thing I think that's a perfect way to illustrate it. There's a young girl named Lizzie um, who competes with us, who's nonverbal. And anytime somebody runs with us, I always encourage them to look in her eyes so that they can see all the life that fires through her eyes when she starts competing. Um, and so we want people to see that. And, and perhaps Kona can become the platform for us to share that. I can, uh, I think I can say um, with confidence that this certainly won't be the last race we do um, and will hopefully give us an opportunity to climb bigger mountains and do 
maybe not crazier things, but um, things that make us rub our hands together and get that cheeky <laughs> smile as we think about what's next. Get the head on. I think I, the focus, the focus is on the foundation. This is bigger than me, a bread to a corner. Um, this is the opportunity to present the foundation to. Um, I hope I can give a vote and I uh, get, and hopefully get them involved. And for, for the athletes to, to work together to finish line and, and get them, um, more engaged with, with, with their local community. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what food are you guys most looking forward to eating after the finish line? That's my big question. Well, I, uh, I actually want Kyle to gain a little bit of weight because um, I'm a little bit worried about just the heat and the sweat. Um, I'm worried about how much weight Kyle will lose. And so I actually want him to eat a little bit more through this training process because it's a lot and he's doing more training than he's ever done. Um, but I've got a bet with some friends, uh, no ice cream, no beer. So I think I'll probably go for the ice cream first. It usually takes me a couple of days before I can enjoy that beer. But I've, been, I've already been dreaming about both uh, on those long bike rides. <laughs> Love it. All right. All right, guys, just the last few questions over here before we wrap things up. So what's the message you would like everyone listening to take away from your story? I guess, guess uh, to realize their own potential, that, that they have it within them to to do anything that they put their mind to and to give to give individuals a sense of hope and to to let them know that they are in a rough spot that they can still do anything um, that they want to do. Don't let anything hold them back from pursuing their dreams. Yep. All right. And are there any people you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, well, nobody ever gives us that platform. I'm going to take it. I want to thank, um, Betty Jamal. Um, Betty, um, was one of the first to really, truly encourage us to do this. At first I thought we would just do a relay and Betty said, shoot, no, you're doing it on your own. And, um, she, she has been one of the, one of the biggest cheerleaders we have. And, um, our coach, Matthew, who engages both of us and who teaches us both about being better people and about being better athletes. Um, both of them have really played a really large role, um, in helping us get, uh, get this opportunity with Kona. Right. And where can everyone find you online? Um, so if you go to the website, you can connect to all our social media there. Uh, the best place to follow us right now, I think is Instagram, which is at walking KP or, um, Facebook on right. walking with KPZ. And, um, those are the best places that you can, uh, follow us and, uh, see this journey as it comes together. All right. Uh, last question. Why do you try? I, uh, I try uh, because I know no other way. I hope that you listeners can take away uh, the passion that I have for the sport and why I love doing it with Bray. So I try because I have no other way. And that's why I love. Right. How about you? Um, you know, I, I think one of the first things that really um, had a profound impact on my life was being Kyle's brother and um, triathlon changed my life. I wasn't I was not on a, a path that I think would would give me the success that I have today. 
um, without triathlon. And so I try because it, it keeps me close to my brother and, and somebody who had a big impact on me. And I try because it helps me um, want to be a better person. Love it. All right, Brent and Carl, this, this was amazing. I mean, yeah, okay. I, I'm sure the listeners would get the passion that you guys are, you know, just conveying. And just thank you both for coming on and taking the time to do this. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate you on hearing our story and giving people a great our journey together. Pleasure. And yeah, wish you all the very best for Kona. You know we're going to be rooting for you, that's for sure. Yeah, can't wait to watch you guys on the big screen. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yep, have a good one. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show and love the hot podcast, we'd love for you to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Your review helps us out a lot and would be very much appreciated. Thank you all again for being a part of this community and be sure to join us again next week for another episode where we will bring you another amazing guest and story. Until then, my friends, keep trying. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show and love the hot podcast, we'd love for you to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Your review helps us out a lot and would be very much appreciated. Thank you all again for being a part of this community and be sure to join us again next week for another episode where we will bring you another amazing guest and story. Until then, my friends, keep trying.